In the wrestling world, the people are represented by two separate but unequally important groups. The wrestlers and bookers, who literally do all the hard work, and the fans, who endlessly nitpick and overanalyze everything they do. These are their stories. Welcome to Raw and Order, the wrestling booking unit, the only wrestling podcast on the planet that's looking into whether Jericho being a Judas in his mind is a prosecutable offense. I am Detective Mark Sparks, and my usual partner in crime fighting, D.A. Fabe, is out sick. Thankfully, frequent guest, host of Real Talk Radio, Justin LeBlanc is here to fill in the bill. How goes it? How goes it? Poor kayfabe, man. I don't think he has uh, much sick days left. Or I shouldn't say that. I don't think I have any sick days left either. But, uh, you know, he is not here today. Hope he does get better. I am here to uh, fill in where he can't deliver for tonight. And uh, I'm excited, buddy. We got some crimes to take care of. And uh, it's going to be a good time. Yeah, fresh off the big takeover weekend last weekend, we had another big week, this time mostly on the AEW side. So without further ado, we will get into crime number one. And I'll go ahead and start here. I am charging Cody Rhodes with attempted suicide for that moonsault from the top of the cave. Uh, It was a thing of beauty. It was. But, but, oh my goodness, he was trying to kill him. but he was comfortable. Yeah. There, he that's was the comfortable. He did it in two seconds. There was no hesitation. He just went up there. That's what I said. It was so impressive to me. I even posted on one of the Facebook groups I'm in how, how impressive it was to me. that Because he got to the top of the cage, like climbed up. He didn't pause. He didn't look back over his shoulder. He didn't do the Hail Mary, you know, like uh, 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 what's his face? Shane McMahon does, right? right? He just, he got, he didn't even like stand fully on the top of the cage. He got one foot up, grabbed the support, got the other one up and just boom, back he went. Um, And frankly, he's lucky Wardlow was in position where he was because uh, he he darn near missed Wardlow. But um, it seems so perfect but, at the same time. Like I'm like, wow, yeah. he landed perfectly. He doesn't seem like he got hurt at all. He went straight for the pin. It was a yeah. it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, it was just it was amazing. Apparently, and I'm not 100 percent sure how much of this is uh, storyline and how much of it's real. But uh, on Twitter, they posted that he has a fracture in his big toe. Um, but the doctors have cleared him to wrestle as needed. Um, and so because of the way he landed on that toe. Now, there's part of me that, you know, skeptical wrestling fan that I am, thinks I almost mean, any know. injury reported is, is storyline. Um, but why would you, like, story pitch a toe? Oh, no, his big <laughs> toe got injured. That's, like, that's, that's one argument know. on why it might not be. The other side of it is, I mean, this just gives another thing for MJF to attack in the ring at Revolut. You know right. what I mean? Uh, and storyline-wise, oh, he's stomping on that big toe that's fractured. Oh, I'll tell you, such an evil man. <laughs> Regardless, it the, the moonsault itself was a thing of beauty. That whole match was really, really well done. Um, yeah. I, honestly, I like the match was great. 
I felt it was a little lackluster a bit. I kind of wanted maybe a bit more. Again, there's time constraints. I feel like Wardlow was also a bit off. They didn't give Wardlow a lot to do either, I feel. I, I see I that. I'm... I was still impressed with Wardlow overall, but that's me. You know, th- he had to walk a fine line. He had to look like a monster, mm. which I think he did. Which they um, made him do, for sure, too, you know. though. Yeah. Um, he had to beat up on Cody. He kicked out of the crossroads. But he, at the end, he still had to look like a monster and lose um, and come out of it still looking like a monster. And I think he did it. Um, they could they could have done some more with it. Uh, it was the first cage match in AEW history. Uh, and yes, Cody's been involved in cave ma- cage matches before. Wardlow has apparently in, in the indies. Um, but, you know, they're still figuring out exactly how they want to do. Um, kudos to uh, TNT for allowing the blading uh you know it was it was very definitely a blade job uh but i felt it was a bit random though it was maybe a bit too early in the match maybe i can see that maybe a little early but you know i could like uh usa network uh for raw being like nope don't do it no then you're not doing it uh but tnt's like yeah sure why not you know yeah that was pretty cool by them like um, they apparently gave the go on everything that they did so but i also was very impressed with the cage i thought it looked really good uh it's you gotta and walk it's the different cage. almost yeah. right like yeah. it's very different from something raw would do it's not even like what the wcw cage was back in the day like it was their own cage like exactly. it just felt very different and that's why I said they have to walk this line. They have to make it feel their own. Uh, but at the same point, there's not a lot new and fresh you can do with a cage without being gimmicky, right? right. But, you know, I liked the structures they used for the sides, the uh, uh, whatever you want to call the pylons. Uh, uh, you know, I, I thought it gave it a more menacing look um, rather than uh, the, the WWE method where it's just chain link fence corners you know what i mean uh this one with the the big menacing structures on the side looked really neat i i don't know official dimensions by any means but Mm. every picture i've seen of it it looks like it was taller than most of the wwe cages um not taller than hell in a cell but but the average WWE cage, I I think this was taller by a good two or three. And I think it was because they made it more slimmer. I mm. feel like the AEW ring is a tad bit smaller though than let's say the Raw or SmackDown ring. Not by a lot, but I it it might just be the dimensions that they used for the cage because it looks slimmer, which means they also made it taller, so it looked even more like a you know, a structure you can't get out of. Whereas the Raw or SmackDown or WWE ones rather just looked more wide, if you will. You know, so it's how it's done and it's basically the the, the steel that they used as well, right? So Well it was according their to the interwebs, um, which we know that you cannot lie on the internet, right? Mm. Uh, Both WWE and All Elite use a 20-foot ring. Uh, WCW and ECW both used to use an 18-foot ring. And a lot of the indies use either an 18 or a 16. Mm. Um, But so it's the same size of ring as WWE. But you're right, it was still a slimmer cage. Um, It was kind of a medium size. You know, a lot of the WWE cages 
uh, they go right against the apron of the ring. So, uh, you know, you're inside the ring, you go out through the ropes, but there's no place down by side, right? Right. And then, uh, and and then the Hell in a Cell goes the opposite way, and it gives this huge amount of space beside the ring uh, right. for people to do stuff beside the ring. Uh, this one was right in the middle there. It gave a foot or so of of space around the side of the ring, but not enough that you could like get down and like walk around and do stuff. But they actually used it at one point. Cody fell face first through it, and Wardlow was able to attack him because his feet were sticking up and his head was trapped down below. But so, I don't know, it's, it, it just, it looks so impressive just all around. Like I said, it looks taller. I don't know official structures on it, you know, right. but, but appearances, it looked taller, uh, which also plays into why that, that moonsault was so impressive. Because like you said, he climbed up and it took him no time to climb up that, you know, right. there wasn't like, like, like this searching for footholds or whatever. It's just he grabbed it and he climbed up, and I don't know if they they did something different with the corner uh, to make it easier for him to climb, or whether it's just an easier to climb sort of chain link. I don't know. Well, it's just because it's the scaffold though on the corners though, because I think you also have like how he climbed up the cage there but at the beginning when he was like kind of just like all excited when he was on the outside of the cage i feel like didn't he use that as well to climb on the inside because that's no i thought i thought the the scaffolding on the side i thought the the cage attached on the inside corner of it so it didn't stick into the ring very much oh. i don't know i mean i remember seeing his feet going into the chain link going up but okay. like i said it it took him no time to get to the top you know, and we love to make fun of wrestlers who forget how to use a ladder every time a ladder match comes up. Right. Uh, they just struggle. Um, the same thing often happens in cage matches. You know, someone goes to climb the side and they just struggle to get up the side. And that, that gives the other guy a chance to, to get up and come over and attack him. And this one, there was no... Uh, hesitation, no whatever. He just went up it like a little spider monkey. Uh, and and then, like we said, just no look. I'm gonna hit this moonsault. I, I honestly, and I think I I think if he did hesitate a bit or not hesitate, but kind of pause, I think that's when he would have freaked out too. So he said, you know what, Yolo, you only live once. Let's do this. Let me do it before my body gives out. You know, like because it's scary, man. It's that's high. I don't know how high that was. Was, but uh, it's uh, definitely uh, definitely high for sure. So yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's not something I would have done, and that's part of why uh, this was my number one. I've probably watched that moon salt a dozen, two dozen times since then, just mm. in in either GIF form or video posted on Twitter or whatever. Like it scrolls across my timeline, and I click play because it's so much fun to watch. Um, and, and that's not to take away from the rest of the episode of Dynamite. The episode that's as a whole episode. was yeah. a really good episode. Um, but, you know, they did a good job finishing up with this match. It, it finished the way it needed to, I think. Like, going into it, I wasn't sure how we were going to do this whole with Wardlow uh, versus Cody. Could you, could you really give Cody a loss going into the match with MJF? You kind of have to give him a win because right. you want to make him look like he's going to legit 
legitimately challenge MJF, sort of. But at the same point, you didn't want to give Wardlow his first match ever as a loss um, without make still making him look strong. And I think they were able to do that, all in all. I, I could have seen, especially on a show the way that this AEW was set up, I could have seen them putting the cage match in the middle uh, and then putting the tag team battle royal at the end. So they had this big, like, massive, crazy match at the end as a um, safeguard in case the cage match didn't pan out the way they wanted it to sort of a thing. But they right. they went with it. They said we're gonna we're gonna headline with the cage match, and it worked. Uh, and honestly, if they, for at least in my opinion, if they didn't have that moonsault, I feel like the cage match would have been a little lackluster because until that one, I felt it was quick. Again, that could be to time constraints. I don't think they had. I think they only had like ten minutes to really do much. Um, and I felt it was just a little bit quick and nothing was really happening. Yeah, he got he, uh, Cody bladed. There was a few moves that Wardlow did that were kind of impressive, but like nothing like, oh, okay, cool. You know what I mean? It just felt, but then once that moonsault hit, if, if he would have bladed, because I felt the blade was a bit weird too. He just kind of hits the corner of the cage and oh, he cut himself. Like I felt like they could have done something better there, but the moonsault ultimately just made it like, oh, okay, you know well, what? And I think the moonsault played into it storyline-wise. Because like I said, Wardlow kicked out of the crossroad. Right. Um, and so Cody was like, what do I have to do to put this guy away? I've got to pull out all the stops. I've got to jump off a 20-foot tall or whatever it is. Uh, right. You know, top of this cage. And there were some things that I really liked with the, with the cage match that were, uh, you know, little things. Some of them historical things. Um when uh, they had the door. And I thought it was interesting because they didn't even bother to latch the door. Right. Uh, but well, on it didn't really matter. It didn't matter because escaping wasn't an option. Uh, and so, um, and that, that just kind of, it was a little thing, you know, so often we've just gotten so conditioned by WWE where escape the cage, you win. Uh, that just having that door just not even bothered to be locked was interesting. But then having the whole, when the door flew open and Cody was right there by the side uh, uh, and Arn stepped in to, to kind of talk to him a bit and coach him up, they had MJF come over and start hollering at him, you know, do it, just slam it. Slam it right. like you did on Tully. Which uh, oh, I didn't calls back okay. calls back to an old uh, uh, angle way back in the day between Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, um, and uh, during a fallout in the uh, the Horseman, um, and in the end, uh, Arn instead slams the the cage door into MJF's um, right. MJF's face. That's hard to say, um, but it, but it was. <laughs> Just kind of a neat little thing there, and there was also a uh, a a confrontation between MJF and Brandy at one point, and then at the end, after Cody got the win, and looking over at MJF laying on the ramp with this look of shock and and fear in his face was was really good booking. So 
I don't yeah. know. I was enamored cage match all in all. No, I, 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 and there was some, I, I just meant in terms of the match itself. I do like the Arn Anderson thing. I think that was cool. The fact that the uh, door wasn't actually locked. I, I thought that was good. And it kind of, it, it shows them that they're, the, the AEW wrestlers follow this wrestling code that, hey, we're not going to do a whole bunch of run-ins. We don't need to lock the cage for this to happen. This is our wrestling code, if you will. I don't know. That's how I kind of took it at least. Um, but yeah, no, like I, I liked it. I just wanted to see more, like, I guess we got a little bit of everything, but I just feel like I needed to see more wrestling in the cage again. It might've been a time thing, but, uh, it just felt too quick for me. Um, but aside from that, I mean, great way to, well, we have another dynamite before the revolution pay-per-view, correct? Yeah. So we have one this week. And then the pay-per-views on Saturday, and and I'm a little frustrated because the Revolution this week's in Kansas City, which is close enough that if if I was able to plan ahead well enough, I could have driven down to it. It's about a five-hour drive from here. I would have had to have taken the day off from work and yada yada yada, but I could have made it to it. But I just chose February weather in Nebraska and Kansas driving five hours uh it's not something you want to do right um you know and it turns out right now the weather's wonderful it was like nearly <laughs> 60 degrees here so that's making me kick myself even more because i'm like oh man i probably could make it down there wednesday and even more than that uh announced for this week is a 60 minute iron man match not a 60 minute 30 minute iron man match that right. uh that I, I really wish I could be there for uh, because uh, it just looks like it'd be such a great uh, match. Who are the, uh, just my mind is blanking here, it, who are the uh, it, opponents? If I'm correct, and I'm, I'm looking it up just to be 100% certain, but if I'm correct, it's Pac and uh, Kenny Omega. Oh, uh, really? For Dynamite? Yep. Oh, Let's okay. See. Come on, wrestling website. I clicked on it it's already. John... But... No, hold on. Never mind. Yep, Pac Don't... versus Kenny Omega. 30-minute Iron Man match. Nice. Uh, yeah, that should be... Yeah, just forget about work. Quit and go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that... that there's that's there's, there's plenty of officer lawyers out there. We, we don't need you, you know? Like, <laughs> just go down. Uh, um, yeah, no, that should be pretty, uh, pretty good. I'm actually kind of excited for that. Nice. But so, I mean, all in all, I, th I think you you at least have have something uh, on there. They had a lot of stuff in this show for a two hour episode of Dynamite. You know, they had the tag team battle royal. They had Shanna versus Chris Statlin with Britt Baker on commentary. They had an interview with Nyla Rose. They had had uh, a tag team match that was uh, Lucha Bros versus Hangman Page and Great Kenny match. Omega. Oh, uh, amazing. It was a really good match. You were correct. Um, they had... Um, they had Vicky Guerrero. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I, I didn't actually had... see it, but uh, I missed that part, I guess. I don't know. I was not watching. Um, but I don't, what did she do exactly? Um, to be perfectly honest, I'm not 100% certain I remember it either. So, but there's so much to, to uh, look at on that. Um, the big match, other than the, the uh, cage match, of course, was also John Moxley versus Jeff Cobb. Uh, 
Taz on commentary, which is awesome because Jeff Cobb is a suplex machine and uh, Taz was the human suplex machine. So Right, that worked. Um, but so they had a lot of big matches to get through. What was that? I just said, yeah, that was a good match as well. Like, oh, it was just uh, top to bottom. Like, yeah. I never looked away, I guess, aside from the Vicky Guerrero uh, part. <laughs> so, so that's the deal is like, I could see... I, I could see them maybe running a little bit behind uh, on time when they got to the cage match right. and and telling them that they had to, uh, to speed it up a bit or maybe cut a few things. Um, especially when you talk, you start off the uh, night with the tag team battle royal, which uh, was interesting because it was um, not a single elimination, meaning you had to eliminate both members of a tag team to eliminate the whole tag team. Um, right. You know, which we're so used to. WWE has always done this rule: if one member of the tag team is eliminated, then they're both out. Ah, uh, and so you know, for this one, I mean, they had a bunch of teams in there, and they had to one at a time eliminate every uh, uh, member because they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams. So that's twenty total people in the ring. Uh, eighteen people, nineteen people had to be eliminated one at a time. You know, mm. so that took a bit of time, and I so I could see them maybe running running a little uh, short on time when it came to that cage match and having to speed some stuff up for it, possibly. But it, it amazes me, though, at the same time, that AEW can do so much more in two hours than the WWE can in three. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, it's because really... a WWE relies so much on these 10-minute-long promo segments where someone comes out and just talks and tells a story. Um, and... And look at this episode of AEW. There was only really one time when a person came out and just talked, right? And that was Nyla Rose came out and they interviewed her. Right. And it was like maybe three minutes long, right? right? Yeah. Uh, and and that's it, you know? Other than that, they Britt Baker came out on commentary for a match. And so she was able to give kind of promo during commentary, but... There was never a moment, smart. you know, where it's just a person standing in the ring talking for 20 minutes. Uh, I don't know. Oh, I... By the way, it was my mistake, actually. She... The reason why we didn't see it on Dynamite is because it was on Dark, which, again, is also an amazing thing that they do because although with AEW Dark, they have a lot of matches, um, but they also can cut in some promo stuff there as well. And although it's not on... Yeah, yeah, you know, so that's kind of cool. And they have that on YouTube. I think TNT is supposed to pick it up at some point. Um, but for now, it's just on YouTube. And it's great because they know that their following is the younger generation. And they know the younger generation, chances are, follows them on YouTube and stuff like that. So I just think they're using their time perfect. Well, and it's it's a really good use of just resources. Um, yeah. If you've ever been to a WWE show, there's always dark matches. Whether it's before the show or after the show, there's always at least one or two dark matches, right? Right. Um, you know, you go to an episode of SmackDown, and they say your main event is going to be blah blah versus blah blah. Um, and you watch through the full episode of SmackDown, and then uh, SmackDown ends, and uh, then they do 205 Live, 
and then they do your main event, which is just a special show just for you that's not televised. Well, that's not really using your talent very effectively, right? When you've got all of the the uh, manpower there, all of the resources there and the cameras and everything, just record it. Yeah. Put put it up on. Put it on YouTube. Put it on YouTube. Put it on. Make it a Facebook video thing. Do a deal with Facebook. Make, uh, make it a WWE Network thing. Put something on the WWE. Yeah. Well, I guess they do that for 205. Um, and and they did start kind of doing that, you know, when they did the 205, when they did the May Young Classic. They the mix were match starting mix match challenge, and then they kind of just stopped. Mm-hmm. I know, but. Um, so I, I don't know. Re- reports are kind of conflicting on exactly what's going to happen with AEW Dark. Because reports have it that the AEW people want to keep Dark as a YouTube thing and do a whole new second. Mm. Uh, but T- reports also have it that TNT wants Dark to be the second show. They want to uh, uh, spread it out to two hours and because they, I, they think it's good enough and it's established i think i don't know um just and so, give them an extra hour on dynamite then if anything like i don't know don't touch dark i like the fact that AEW dark is you know not televised but rather on youtube you can access it anytime and so on well and I, they've been doing amazing with that even with like let's say the elite the elite episodes and stuff like that you know what i mean if yeah. tnt's like oh i really like this stuff one it's poorly you know filmed and edited but uh still it's for youtube it's whatever that's what they like to do it's cheesy but if tnt said hey look i want to bring that like no this is good this is their youtube content this is you know what i mean like let them have that yeah and there's something to be said about youtube it uh encourages user interaction in ways that regular television doesn't um you know you fire up uh aw dark on your phone to watch it say you're at work or whatever and you fire it up on your phone the first thing that happens is the comment section uh streams on the side of the screen as you're watching right right uh encouraging you to hop in and talk to other aew fans at the same time instead of just sitting on your couch watching it like you do an episode of dynamite or raw or smackdown or you know whatever right right this user interaction and that i think is something that uh would go away if it moved to regular tv and wasn't online um and so I, I agree. I would prefer they come up with a different show entirely for the second show um, and keep AEW Dark. In fact, it would probably work uh, really well in conjunction with AEW Dark because it would give another show for them to film matches for, right? Exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and, and even have the other show, maybe if you want, maybe if you're going to give them another two-hour show or something maybe have one hour dedicated to promos uh i guess cut through you're not going to just have one hour of promos like that but do kind of like the wwe kind of feel uh but then just have the rest like you have dynamite mostly matches a little bit of promo here and there but not not too much and then you can kind of hey watch this hour for the storylines if you like that 
but then here's the wrestling kind of deal i don't know I, unless they're gonna do something yeah. completely different i would imagine you're still gonna stick with wrestling oriented stuff mm-hmm. and not have like a reality kind of yeah thing um i think being the elite is safe on youtube I don't think uh, TNT wants to touch that. Um, it's wonderful. It's great. But the the part of what's so great about being the elite is they walk um, across the kayfabe line back and forth through the course of an episode where you'll start out and they'll be talking at you totally in, in real, reality about you know, their lives as wrestlers and how they're booking the show and how they go to go talk to TNT. And then and all of a sudden, they'll be doing a totally in kayfabe uh, segment of, you know, Luchasaurus uh, working with Jungle Boy, uh, teaching him English or whatever. You know what I mean? Right. So they just jump back and forth. And that's not something that would work good on TV, I don't think. Um, so I think that's safe. Um, I I would not be surprised if they didn't start encouraging other members of AEW to do their own video series online. Like Sammy Guevara's got his own blog. blog oh, yeah. Um, that for the most part is uh, outside of kayfabe. You okay. know, follows him as he, you know, travels to the shows and and glad hands with the fans and all of that stuff. Uh, but then all of a sudden in the middle of it, we'll, we'll switch into here he is with the inner circle beating up on Dustin Rhodes, you know? Um, uh, but, but it's fun to watch that as well. Um, I know, uh, Chucky T and, and Trent used to have a web show and I don't know if they just stopped doing it or if it's on hiatus or if they're planning on doing it again, but that would be fun. So I could see them doing a lot more of that. I could see them expanding the dark order to do a lot more online videos. Yeah, Uh, that would be awesome. Um, especially, especially if the speculated exalted one, uh, turns out to be true. Uh, Ah. wonderful. (laughs) By the way, what a botch on Raw for the Um, Matt Hardy, Randy Orton thing. Like, what was that? It was lame. It was, for lack of a better term, it was WWE Dean Ambrosing something. Um, oh, you're going to leave because... It's pretty well known that that he's going to leave. Well, we're just going to do everything we can to bury you uh, at the end to make you you look bad. Um, and it was just dumb. It was useless. They they could have just left him after last week because uh, you already had them beat him up last week. Just let Matt Hardy be gone and don't worry about it, right? By the way, you still gonna have a ninety day no compete clause, I guess, right? Um, if you live out your contract, I don't know if the non-compete still is in effect. It's when you're oh. released from your contract that you have the 90-day. But when you fulfill your contract, which is what he's doing, I don't think he has that. Also, um, the the official rules of the 90-day non-compete clause is that you can't wrestle for another, but not that you can't appear. And so if he's going to be the exalted one, um, I, and I'm using the big if there because I'm not 100% concerned, convinced right. that he, right. um, uh, but if he is, he could still appear, uh, but not wrestle until after his, the 90 days up. 
which would be just fine because they're not going to have their next uh, pay-per-view until right around when the 90 days would be up. So that would be yeah, that would end up being perfect in that regard. Um, yeah, but I guess so. Yeah, that makes sense, though. Whatever. Matt Hardy's going to do it. He's going to be gone in March anyways. Just another 10 days. Not even mm-hmm. so uh, it'll be out of there. Um, so but, in terms of. Yeah, go ahead. But yeah, I was just going to say to wrap up this crime, I am still uh, charging Cody Rhodes with attempted suicide. Um, I don't know how exactly you punish attempted suicide, where you <laughs> make them live. You put him um, in a loony bin, exactly. You put him in a loony bin. You can't, uh, he can't, uh, they put him in the, um, what do you padded call it? Room. Padded room, but tied his arms. He can't do, uh, he can still technically do a moonsault, technically. I don't know. I don't know. You just chain him down and uh, keep him there for 90 days, and uh, hopefully these suicidal thoughts will uh, jog jog out of his system but uh, he did that like a champ I mean uh, he definitely did that like a champ I was scared for him uh, but at the same time he looked comfortable Uh, he did it and I think honestly that might have been one of the best cage moonsaults I have seen aside from Kurt Angles because I think Kurt Angles was amazing way back when and we cannot take that away from him but Cody Rose is definitely up there that was just a glorious part in the uh, Robert Roode saying uh, moonsault to say the least so uh, on that note we will go ahead and move on to uh, whatever you got for crime number two Well, um, it's kind of not necessarily what went on on Raw and SmackDown or AEW for that matter, but it's more about what happened on Steve Austin's podcast show. And I kind of was wondering what was happening with the promos that Raw and SmackDown, uh, well, rather more on Raw. I I felt they were a little bit more loosey-goosey, but I was just like, ah, it's nothing, you know. Um, And... And I felt there weren't as scripted, if you will, anymore. Hence the Shayna Baszler tearing up your a-hole or tearing up, beating, tearing up the uh, ish out of you uh, that she mentioned to Becky Lynch. I felt it's a bit more more loose um, in that regard of, you know, it being not too limited on the script. You can really divulge outside the script, if you will. And Jerry Lawler actually confirmed this on Steve Austin's podcast. So I charge the WWE for obliging to, I don't know. I, I just I just charge the WWE for actually listening to their fans when they for constantly once. complain for once, you know, uh, when they constantly just complained about Lana and Lashley's whole debauchery of a segment and we saw how scripted that was and we felt how Lana couldn't you know even go on the script properly because she was thinking too much and as a wrestler when you do think too much it just it just messes you up man you just think of different things and uh I just thought that was awesome when Lawler actually announced that he basically says and I quote but do you know what uh I really do think a little bit of it is changing now with Heyman in charge of Raw. Yeah, he's letting guys like um, he's, he's giving, he's letting certain guys, he's 
giving them bullet points and letting them go on their own. So kudos to that. And that's one of the good things. I mean, I haven't really necessarily noticed anything crazy yet, if you will. Like anything like, oh my, except Matt Hardy's segment, which I'm still was crazy on from last week. I thought that was an amazing promo. And I was like, man, this guy still got it. But I imagine that was one of Heyman's, hey, bullet points here, and then just go do what you do. Cause that he felt comfortable. You know what I mean? He felt very, very comfortable. And it was from the heart. And that's ultimately what makes a good promo. Charlotte Flair, I imagine she's never scripted. I don't think Charlotte Flair needs to be. She's always generally on point in that regard. But kudos for the WWE for listening. Um, well, and that's... I've and, said, or Paul Heyman. I've said this before. Um, we can argue back and forth about whether scripted promos are bad or good. Um, but only certain people should be trusted with non-scripted, right? And this comes from someone who had to live through the glory days of Rick Steiner promos. (laughs) Uh, and, and that's exactly my point, right? Uh, you, for every, uh, ultimate warrior or Randy Savage who could deliver these crazy promos unscripted, um, or Roddy Piper, who might have been the best promo in the game for a long, long time, Rick Flair. Um, for every one of those, there's a Rick Steiner um, yeah. or a Buff Back, you know, who uh, who would be better off with some scripting, right? Lex Luger was not a unscripted promo specialist, uh, <laughs> but if they gave him a script to follow, he could follow it and and deliver what needed to be said. Um, and I think that's kind of the same thing. I think there are some people on Raw and SmackDown that you can trust with an unscripted promo. Uh, AJ Styles is um, I think Seth Rollins, for the most part, is one of them. I think, in fact, uh, his best promos that he's done over the years, are, I think, are the ones that they gave him a little bit of freeway, you know, freedom with, a little leeway. Um, and I think his words have been the ones where... Uh, the the script snuck in too heavily and it didn't sound like him anymore, right? right. Um, Charlotte, like you said, uh, you could you could just not script her and it's great. Uh, and Shayna Baszler, I think she, like you said there, uh, it was obviously a bullet point thing. Um, and she might need I, a script though. I don't know. Like, well, I I suspicion that I'll tear your s up. Uh, was cleared in advance. Uh, because oh, I'm it... sure it was. I just feel like it might have been scripted differently in terms of... Like, it didn't sound bad. I feel like it just might be more of a... I don't know. I, it didn't sound intimidating. So it just might be more her charisma of when she actually said it rather uh, than the wording. But it just seemed weird. Like, it, she might have been maybe too scripted. Maybe, maybe. all that could have been completely scripted. Because she felt like a robot at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. There are parts of it that I kind of wonder on that. Um, Just because up until now, Shayna Baszler's entire experience in wrestling has been independence and NXT. And suddenly she's on the screen in front of, you know, 20,000, 30,000 fans. Right. Uh, uh, And on the flagship show Raw, you know. I could imagine her nerves were a little bit there, and she probably turned a little bit more to the script there. And that's fine. Like I said, not everyone 
do you just give bullet points to? Uh, inversely, you go over to AEW, um, and you can see that uh, Cody Rhodes only needs bullet points, and he can get through pretty much any promo. Um, uh, John Moxley, uh, he has shown that when you allow him to say what he wants to say, he's oh, dynamic and dynamite. amazing. Part and back on WWE, when he was delivering uh, speeches that were pre-written, he sounded robotic and, like, not himself. Right. Um, and so, and Chris Jericho is another example of someone, you know, I, I don't think Chris Jericho was probably ever heavily scripted in WWE, no matter how bad they got with scripting. Um, because he's Chris Jericho. He's shown that he doesn't need a script to do what he does, uh, that he never has. Um, but like I said, for every Chris Jericho that you have out there, you've got a uh, Reese or um, trying to think of some of the other people who were not good with the mic over the years. Reese, Jesus. There's a yeah, reason he definitely was <laughs> right. um, Scott Steiner, uh, even. Terry Scott Steiner, Scott Steiner eventually got to the Ultimate Warrior level of he just would spout insane crap right. for three minutes and somehow or another it would like feel like it made sense even though it didn't, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, but but it didn't start off that way. No. Um, uh, but even then, man, he kind of... I feel like as he got older too, though, it got really stupid. Yeah. Like I, some I of his TNA stuff are horrible. Uh, the TNA uh, maths is still probably one of my favorite speeches of all time. <laughs> uh, and yes, it's partially because it's so bad. Yeah. But, uh, um, <laughs> but like a, a Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious, was mm. never great on the mic. Um, he was someone who needed to be scripted. Um, but Hulk Hogan really didn't need to be scripted. He, you could give him bullet points. In fact, if you've watched almost any of Hulk Hogan's movies, you know that scripting might not have been good for him. Right. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but if you give him bullet points and let him work through it, brother, mm -hmm. uh, he typically would get get the point across. Um. So so that's what I think WWE's hopefully finding their footing with allowing some people a little bit of leeway. You know, Becky Lynch, I think could have a lot of leeway in her speeches, in her promos, you know, uh, uh, but um, Humberto Carrillo needs some scripting. For sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, inversely, Angel Garza probably doesn't need as much scripting as they're giving him right now. His only problem is his English still isn't great, so uh, he has to kind of stumble through uh, in Spanglish a bit. Spanglish! Um, and but, uh, you know, but there's a lot of people on Raw who can get away without as much scripting. But there's still a fair amount of people who, like, maybe you need to script. Uh, same with SmackDown. I think as much as we like uh, Heavy Machinery, uh, uh, Otis and Tucker probably need a little bit of scripting. Mandy Rose definitely needs scripting. <laughs> uh, For sure. Bailey maybe needs a little bit less scripting, but I think still needs scripting. I ah, think she needs a charisma, not uh, scripting. Jesus. But, you know, along the same lines, I think Braun Strowman probably can get away with less scripting. Just give him some bullet points, let him go out yeah. there about some nonsense, say, get these hands and get a pop from the crowd. That's it. Sami Zayn needs absolutely no scripting. 
thing. If anyone tries to hand him a script, they should be punched in the nose. Uh, no, he's good. He's him, Kevin Owens, the Montreal boys. They're good. They know what they're talking about. Uh, you know, there's no just, bias there. They, they, they did a lot of no, no bias, no bias. <laughs> we Montrealers know what we're doing. No, no, but uh, just you know, but with Sami Zayn, he's been doing it since he got there. Nakamura technically would need a script, or you know, he shouldn't probably be on the mic. They should go back to the no English thing because I feel like that was it was so wonderful, especially when he would deliver part of a promo in English. And then they'd ask him a question that he doesn't like, and he would go to no speak of English. Oh, it was perfect. Genius. It was wonderful. It was wonderful. No, I agree with you on this charge. Um, WWE uh, definitely is at least listening to fans. And, you know, uh, I think kind of a co-charge with this is come on Vince you you in your investor call a week ago tried to say that uh that AEW has had no impact in how you've been programming your shows come on well uh, where yeah, where in, would you say that in his investor call he's he said that um, no, no no but I mean where would you disagree with that well, what I, do you feel has think, changed since I AEW think almost came- Almost everything about their presentation before AEW, they were strictly PG, and now they're having Shayna Baszler drop the S bomb in the middle of the eight o'clock hour. You know, okay. Uh, yeah. uh, they've had blood on there. Uh, they had Shayna Baszler bite the crap out of Becky Lynch's back of her neck the other day. You True. know, um, uh, NXT. Uh, without AEW, NXT would not be on USA Network on Wednesday nights. Period. Right? That is something you cannot argue. It was moved to WWE, or moved off the network to USA Network on Wednesday nights as a result of AEW uh, being on TV. And that's, that's undeniable. Yeah, that's valid. Uh, in fact, to coin a phrase from uh, Mr. Adam Cole Bay Bay, that is undisputed. Oh, jeez, um, really? You went there? I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> so he tries to play it off like they've had no effect when it's obvious they have. Your show has gotten edgier. You've uh, openly had um, storylines on there. The Lana and Rusev storyline is very much Attitude Era, which you were not doing in the PG era before. Yeah, that's a very um, valid point. Uh, you've had blood on Raw, um, even though it was obviously a blood capsule, it still was the blood right. on Raw. You had people cussing multiple times, including Kevin Owens did it once, um, and like we said, Shana, Shana Baszler did it. Um, you've been doing a lot more edgy stuff just in general. Uh, declaring Seth Rollins the Monday Night Messiah, that is Attitude Era Playbook 101. True, right? Yep. Um, and so, and, and just in general, declaring, uh, Paul Heyman to be the one running Raw is, is 100% a reaction to AEW's announcement of, of them coming around. There is no doubt in any mind, uh, <laughs> any sane mind watching WWE that AEW has not at least impacted your program. Um, has it forced you to make major sweeping changes to things? Probably. Not. I mean, you didn't go off and fire an entire writer's room 
room and 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 all of that stuff um but you obviously said hey aew is getting nearly a million people watching on a wednesday night um what's going on guys yeah <laughs> what do we need to do to to stop that stop the bleeding per se um, and they still haven't they still won this week too so mm-hmm. well and and here's what i'm i'm gonna say i don't think anything they do will stop aew from getting 800,000 to nearly a million people every week, right? The only reason that AEW didn't break 900,000 this week was uh, the day that uh, they did it was the Democratic uh, debate here in America, the candidates debate, um, which drew... Bloomberg got completely freaking... Yeah, it was it was a bloodbath. Um, we can't forget but, about that. Yeah, but I mean, it drew just massive ratings. Uh, you know, I mean, we're talking twenty million people, sort of a thing. Wow. Um, I'm trying to look up the ratings. Yeah, uh, I'm actually curious by that. But I mean, I, that would make sense. I mean, at least you know half of the American population is watching it. Your friends at a debate or dynamite? The debate. The debate, yeah. Yeah. Um, and but that's the deal is I mean, with that many people tuning away for whatever reason, right? Uh, you know, everything's gonna and the, that's what happened is uh when um both AEW and uh T uh a uh NXT, jeez. Uh, both saw a small drop in uh, ratings from... 19.7 million. Yeah. You know, I mean, just this massive amount of people who tuned over to uh, watch a debate instead of whatever. That's that's affected everything. I mean, the simple fact sure. is, I don't think anything else on TV that night... Did good. Uh, did as, as good. good as they did the week before. For sure. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of people. And so, you know, there, there's nothing you can do against that, um, you know. But in the end, AEW still came in in, what was it, fifth place for the week? Right, yeah. Uh, uh, and still had 828,000 viewers, uh, you know, um, that's that's huge. That's still that's uh, that's amazing considering 800. I thought it. I I didn't look at the numbers, but I I just watched a a quick uh, headline and it said that uh, Dynamite still beat uh, NXT. And I, I was like, okay, that's all I need to kind of know. Uh, but wow, still 800. That's still pretty good. Just imagine out of that 19 points. Seven, who would have actually been they probably would have maybe not beaten their record i think the record's at like 1.3 million or something yeah. i think they but, i think they would have nudged close to uh a million but i don't think they even would have broken a million but here's the deal is what we've shown is uh right now there's approximately seven to eight hundred thousand people who will watch aew every week religiously yeah um and there's, I don't think anything that uh, WWE could do that would change that drastic, quite frankly. Uh, you know, so yeah, it was, uh, oh, the final final numbers were 893. Oh, okay. Uh, Still pretty, but, pretty good considering. Mm-hmm. And what was, and, uh, what was NXT? NXT was so like again, seven, uh, 794. Yeah. So it was still uh, nearly a hundred thousand uh, more viewers uh, than NXT. Uh, but like I said, both of them took a small drop 
from the week before. Right. Uh, because people were, were tuning off to the Democratic debate. Um, there was also a college basketball game that got a fair amount of views, which definitely uh, affected things there too. Um, but that's the deal. I, you know, I think WWE is approaching it like uh, we've got to stop the bleeding that AEW is doing. But I don't think that the majority of that 900,000 people who watched this week are former WWE fans. I think right. they're. I think the majority of them are people who were, for lack of a better term, either former WCW fans who'd lapsed out after WCW closed, or totally new fans. Mm. And I think the the breakdowns, the demo breakdowns, uh, actually say a lot about it. So WWE NXT, right? Uh, in the uh, men's uh, 18 to 49. Uh, they have uh, a 0.32 share, and AEW is a 0.44. So AEW is getting a larger percentage of 18 to 49 year olds, right? Right. Uh, their uh, female 18 to 49s. AEW is a 0.18. NXT is also a 0.18. So it's about huh. the same. Their overall 18 to 49 year olds is a 0.31 for AEW and a 0.25. So AEW is attracting a lot more of the younger, right? Um, so if you if you break it down a little bit more, uh, males 12 to 34, so even younger, AEW is a 0.22, and NXT is a 0.19. So a larger percentage of the younger men are tuning into AEW. Um, but then you go to the uh, overall 50-plus right and this is where i think it makes a big deal nxt is a 0.38 so is aew Ooh, okay. so what that's telling me is that there's a large percentage of lapsed fan in that uh and and i hesitate to call myself that age group because i'm still a little younger than that thank you very much i'm only 42 mm. um but uh, there's a lot of people who are of my age and a little bit older who watched WCW. And then when WCW folded and got bought out by uh, WWF, the now WWE, um, and then the Ruthless Aggression era kind of came along, that they just kind of fell off and stopped watching. And I'll admit, I was one of those for a while. I missed a lot of the Ruthless Aggression era because it didn't seem to appeal to me. Right, and a lot of it, I think, was because WWE wasn't fighting someone anymore. So, what did they have to do? Um, and now AEW has come along, and I think a lot of those people have kind of come out of the woodwork to say, "Hey, maybe I, maybe I found something that I can watch again." Right. Um, inversely, I think there's also a larger percentage of younger men that are finding wrestling for the first time through. AEW. Oh, um, damn. Okay. Yeah. And, and you know, I... Uh, or they just could not be NXT. Maybe they just don't know about NXT either. They know well, about their Raw and SmackDown. There's a little bit about that, but, I mean, just remember point two two, right? Because mm, okay. uh, I'm going to go back and look at Monday ratings. 0.22.22. And don't get me wrong, the total numbers for... Raw are going to be way bigger, right? For There's sure. no argument there. Right. Uh, WWE Monday Night Raw gets more viewers than AEW. Uh, so USA Network 
uh, do so they're uh, 0.79 for males 12 to 34 um, but that's showing it's up from before so I think actually AEW might even be helping bring in younger viewers to uh, to WWE now right um, but, ah, over- but how because but here's if, the other thing. As a younger viewer, you don't know about WWE, and you're only watching T- uh, TNA. You're only watching uh, AEW for the first time. How would you even here's know the, Here's the see- thing is, okay, first of all, I don't think there's anyone out there who doesn't know WWE, right? Even if you don't watch it, you say to someone WWE, they're, oh, that fake wrestling crap, right? Okay, fair So enough. here's the deal. They, they're turning around their TV and they see AEW on a Wednesday night. They're going to be more likely to turn on WWE on a Monday night, period. But the other, the, the other statistic is WWE in the 50 plus is getting a .18, uh, which is a large, large jump over AEW. Which means there's a lot of the older people compared to they're only getting a .87 on uh, on the the 18 to 49 and a 1.18 on the 50 plus. Their their audience is outgrowing what it should be. Is what I think I'm getting. Um, and I think AEW is probably helping more than they're hurting because it's exposing this to a younger band of of people who might not have been watching wrestling and they give AEW a little bit of a shot and then they go over and they turn on WWE and I don't think it can hurt right but Mm -hmm. I think the argument that WWE hasn't changed anything because of AEW is uh horse patooey to use a uh, (laughs) Uh, really out of all terms you're gonna use horse patooey I'm from Nebraska. We say that a lot. It's a thing? Okay, fair enough. Maybe. Maybe not a lot. We say (laughs) it sometimes. Sometimes. All right. Horse Patooey. I'll go with it then. (laughs) Patooey. But but back to your crime, because we really went off on a little bit of a tangent there. We did. We did tangents. But your crime was about... Your crime was about WWE listening to the fans finally and hey. delivering slightly less scripted promos, and I 100% agree that they definitely um, are doing that. However, uh, we will move on to misdemeanors because that's a really great segue mm. because NXT felt like such a letdown this week because it was so promo heavy. It was just like, talk, 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 talk. And after such a great takeover, which you weren't a part of last week's episode where I just gushed over how great that takeover was. And mm-hmm. it was. It was a phenomenal show. Yep. Um, and if it hadn't been for AEW Dynamite this week being as good as it was, I would probably still be gushing over that takeover. Right. Except for the fact that NXT came along this week and, I mean, it had a, it had some great matches. I can't remember any of them because they weren't like phenomenal they weren't cody rhodes doing a moonsault off the top of a cage um i guess roddy well i'm sorry the riddler match was freaking amazing i remember that still even with the cody uh the tag team match that was on portland right yeah Yeah. oh no there are a lot of things i still remember about the takeover i'm talking about the nxc on wednesday night oh fair enough no i got nothing you had roddy strong (laughs) versus velveteen dream Right. Um, so I remember I, that match. Yeah, that was a decent match. You had, I don't know, some some tag that team. Might have been better. But... Fighting at the beginning. I don't remember who it was. 
um, you had a bunch of people talking and and more people talking and I, I don't know it just it felt like such a a letdown after how great NXT TakeOver to come back with this follow-up show it was just like meh yeah, that's valid. It was, I don't know. Yeah, honestly, I, for me personally, NXT has their off and on stuff. I've mm. always kind of felt that way. There's certain weeks where it's just, oh my God, like, yes. You know, and then there's certain weeks I'm just kind of like, eh. The only thing, there's only one or good things on the on the card, in my opinion. Like, there's only certain wrestlers I do want to see, but then sometimes it just completely surprises me. Like, the home... Uh, the going home is what they call it, I guess, right? The going home towards Portland. Phenomenal NXT. Mm-hmm. The going home show, it was good. Uh, but yeah, this one was just kind of felt, I don't know, like it felt a little dead, if you will. It just yeah. was. It was just meh, right? And and it was even a little more meh because um, they didn't have uh, Kyle O'Reilly talking about Peter Dune and Matt <laughs> Riddell. Yeah, it was a shame. I love her, uh, love her mispronouncings of names. Peter Dune. Peter Dune. Peter Dune. But, <laughs> but that's really the only misdemeanor I had for this week. I just, I just thought NXT um, was such a letdown, and maybe it was because it was going head to head with such a great dynamite. Um, overall, I, I felt meh about. Um, but such a great takeover, and that you couldn't have planned a better follow-up show uh, for take. I mean, you still set up some good storylines. Gargano versus uh, Champa is a storyline that that really needs a lot of play after that. Right. Um, Adam Cole being able to sneak out another another defense of his his belt successfully. Um, there was really no payoff to that on this show either. That you could, I mean, you got to have someone saying, "Hey, give me, I need a shot at that belt now." Um, and there really was nothing to that, and so I was like, "Man, what happened?" I feel like because I didn't watch the whole show in its entirety, I only watched certain clips. But I don't know why I didn't watch this part. What happened with the whole Finn Balor sitch after Takeover? After Takeover, um, they had him just speak. It was just a promo. Really. Um, yeah, uh-huh. and uh, I I gotta be honest, as a big Balor fan, I don't even remember what he said. Damn. Um, and that's part of why I was just meh. And like Gargano didn't even come out or anything. As far as I, I don't remember Gargano appearing. Champa came out. Uh, and then there was a beatdown. I think. Mm. Uh, um, yeah, no, Ch- Champa came out. Who was it that was in the ring? Someone was in the ring, ready for a match. Champa came out. That guy kept getting in Champa's face, so Champa beat the tar out of him. Hmm. But that's the, I mean, yeah. it was a, it was, for lack of a better term, it was a forgettable NXT. You yeah. know? And that's that's a shame. But... Uh, you know, it's going to happen. It's gonna, you, you know, when you're in a war between things, sure, it sucks. But uh, it's going to happen, I guess. They just got to... It just sucks that it's after such a phenomenal pay-per-view. I really like to take over Portland. I thought it was uh, a great card from top to bottom um this nxt though just seemed a little meh i don't know if it's just because it's just also so much wrestling too maybe we're just kind of you know with the pay-per-view and then it's a lot of wrestling that last week man that was a lot of uh so going in this week i've and raw wasn't all that back so i got you kind of down in the dumps for that too yeah i i 
I'll be the first to be honest. Uh, SmackDown is the one that falls by the wayside for me way too, way too quickly now. Um, and I feel bad about it because there's so much I want to like about SmackDown. It's technically but, the better show, but honestly, it's the same crap too. But just Friday nights are so much harder now for me to prioritize watching wrestling when I've already spent three hours on Monday night, four hours on Wednesday night, an hour on Tuesday night, you know. Uh, come Friday night, there's usually other things that I have to do. And so then it's go back and watch it afterwards. So, but Casey, we're not in competition with WWE, uh, with NX, uh, geez, with uh, AEW. Why aren't you only watching our product? There's no other product out there. Hey, hey, Vince, calm down. I've been watching XFL too. So, ah, good boy. I've been, been helping you out. <laughs> but. Uh, well, unless you um, miss my, you know what I do though. I do actually. My misdemeanor is gonna be I'm charging. Um, the WWE, and I forget which arena it is, but I'm charging the WWE and the arena. Okay, first off, one misdemeanor is I'm charging the WWE for being over the Vicky Guerrero situation. The yeah. fact that she uh, went on AEW, and they now they won't let her totally, book any WWE guests. guests on her podcast. And like, what the hell? You haven't used the poor girl in. In like two years like what do you want her are you serious like i just well, thought and, that was and the her. only thing you ever had her do is come out and say excuse me once or twice fair, and then leave fair she kind of did that on uh on aew dark because so. that's her thing but but that's my point is is she did that but then she sat in on commentary um once or twice um she's done a lot but but yeah it's just kind of petty from wwe uh you know, but I think a lot of it, I I think there might be another thing that might play into it a bit. And that is, it might have a little bit less to do with her being on AEW and a little bit more to do with the fact that uh, WWE recently launched their own podcasts network. And so right. maybe they're being a little bit more restrictive about what podcasts just in general their stars go on and trying oh. to... Res- how very coincidental, though. You only do it mm-hmm. right after. Like, come yeah, on. Yeah, but but it's still it's 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 BS is what yeah. it is. It's um, and what's more BS is I don't know I don't remember which arena it is, but the second misdemeanor goes to the arena escapes me. The arena I think it's in Cincinnati uh, won't Cincinnati. That's it. They won't give AEW a spot to have a dynamite show there because they only would do WWE bookings. And that one, I'm 100% certain it was WWE that said, hey, if you book AEW there, we won't book there anymore. Um, and You, you think, huh? For sure. Yeah. yeah that's. But and, why Cincinnati? Well, I'm sure they sent it out to a lot of arenas. Um, I know Madison Square Garden probably got uh, uh, a notification from WWE, probably even just a call that said, hey, if you book uh, another uh, wrestling show from one of these promos, AEW, uh, New Japan, maybe Ring of Honor, but I don't really think WWE cares about Ring of Honor, right. um, that we'll stop bringing our stuff there and, uh, you know, throwing their weight around a little bit. And, and I don't blame the arena so much. Uh, you know, the arena is looking at the bottom line 
and you've got a relatively safe bet in WWE, and you've got a relatively risky bet in AEW, which side are you going to fall on? Uh, however, I feel like they're falling on the wrong side of history for right. this. Um, don't get me wrong, I've said this before and I'll say it again. WWE is not going anywhere. No. Um, they're still going to be doing uh, events in... Uh, uh, 2025 and 2040, you know. Um, but AEW, I don't think, is going anywhere either, right? Number one, they've got four more years of TV deal, so there's that. But even more than that, I just think that uh, they've got a win winning formula, and as long as they don't do something really stupid, like bring Hulk Hogan in and a bunch of old farts, uh, I think they've got got something and and that's not even i not even saying they can't bring in old farts they have to bring them in in the right way when hogan came into tna he came in as an active wrestler and as the main storyline um when aew brought arn anderson in they brought him in as a character um and involved in but not central to the main story and that's a right. big difference um it's the same thing with tully blanchard they didn't bring Tully Blanchard in to headline the event. They brought Tully Blanchard in to help an, another up-and-coming star uh, get over. And I think I think uh, uh, Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, they've all got, uh, and Kenny Omega, not to leave him out, they've all got brilliant minds for booking things and they understand what fans want. I think even better than WWE currently does. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going anywhere. It's different, though. It's, it's a different type of uh, egos that we're dealing with, too, at the same time. You have Vince McMahon, who's been doing this for 40 years, um, who has basically solidified uh, the reasonings of what the fans want. He's given them, essentially, the... Um, the structure of what fans think they want for over 40 years. So he's essentially built that, if you will. That's giving Vince a lot of credit, but I think he does deserve that credit. So when you have also done this for 40 years and you know it's worked for a good chunk of those decades, you generally get an ego, you know? So... Yeah, I don't know. So that's ego, and then this is just fresh batch of kids in terms of, you know, Young Bucks and Cody, Tony Khan being a super fan. These guys are hungry. We've seen that with a bunch of other things and just any spectrum of life where if you are hungry for something, you tend to be more creative. Your, your ego is in check. You'll do what you can to please people, whereas Vince is just more like... I've, I've done it all. I'm not scared. I've given you everything I have given you and I'm going to do what I want and you're still going to like it because you've been such a loyal, diehard wrestling fan for over 30 years. Mm -hmm. you know, Here's so. the analogy I will always use for WWE that I think explains my thought process on them. Uh, WWE is Kleenex brand. Um, they are so synonymous with professional wrestling that there will never be a time in your lifetime or mine that there is not a Kleenex brand, right? Uh, that there is not a WWE. That sounds horrible, um, by the way. But that doesn't <laughs> mean that you can't have a Puffs brand come up, up and 
and produce a great product, right? Um, when you go and buy facial tissue, right? You might buy puffs, you might buy Kleenex, you might buy the store brand from whatever store you go to, mm-hmm. uh, but there will always be Kleenex brand on the shelf there. And that's kind of what it comes down to. When you ask someone to name a professional wrestling league, they're going to say WWE, right? Right. Because just like if you say name a facial tissue brand, people are going to say Kleenex. Kleenex. Kleenex becomes so synonymous with facial tissues. In fact, for for the longest time, I thought it was always called Kleenex. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's become synonymous with it. You can say to anyone, hey, can you hand me a Kleenex? And they're going to hand you a facial tissue without asking, uh, um, I only have puffs, is that okay? They're just going to hand it to you because it's synonymous. Um, and that's the same thing. WWE will be around forever because they're so synonymous with professional wrestling. But just like Kleenex being synonymous with facial tissues, it's not stopping another brand from coming along and being wildly successful. Um, it's not stopping there being a dozen other brands that are very successful. Right. Um, and I think that's that's the case with WWE. Um, they're always going to be there, but at the same point, they've done things their way for so long that uh, this new upstart Puffs brand in AEW comes along and does things differently. And uh, it seems fresh and, and unique. And I think it's here to stay as well. Yeah, they're both they're both not going anywhere. And that's why I think this whole pettiness is completely stupid. Like, for WWE to say NXT is not a thing, or Vince to say it on a conference call, just to quiet down his shareholders or whatever have you, and then to, if, you know, we don't technically know it's a WWE that said anything, but I imagine it is, I don't see a venue saying no to a company unless that owner of that venue is like has a hard on for Vince or something but um i just find it stupid petty like what why would you why would you stop them from doing like ah it just so still like i get it your competition but at the same time man everyone gets bread like i don't know cuz uh wwe uh has a long um long history of being petty to competition and uh um i'll i'll give the um the example the bunkhouse stampede um the bunkhouse stampede was a pay-per-view that jim crockett promotions did for a long time and uh it was it was one of their major papers and then when wcw bought out jim crockett and your bought Jim Crockett and turned it into WCW, I should say. Mm. Uh, They uh, were doing their uh, bunkhouse uh, stampede. And the same day that uh, they were doing their pay-per-view, WWF at the time did a uh, free on TV TV show. I can't remember what what the name of it was. Uh, uh, that they just gave gave away for free, um, and, and it was and like was a pay per view classic almost, it was a like pay per view, was... yeah. Um, you really can't multitask, huh? <laughs> well, I'm just trying to I'm trying to remember so much about what it was called. Um, but anyways, they 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 really uh 
they they just put it on at the same time as a way to try to sabotage the bunkhouse stampede um and and that's just uh, they've got a long history of of kind of doing that um to sabotage the the competition and so that's why i'm 100 percent certain it was someone in wwe that called and said hey um you know if you book aew at your place we're not gonna book our show there anymore and and so you better just tell them that you won't book there that being said the other side of the coin is that particular stadium in cincinnati if i'm remembering correctly it seats like 15 to 20,000 people something like that and right now aew is is really better in 10,000 to 12,000 seaters right right um so it was probably a bigger arena than aew was wanting to go to anyway um the only reason that they probably were considering that arena is uh, that Maybe that's like also all out. well, that's the hometown of John Moxley. That's where he was raised. He lived oh, in Vegas, okay. but he raised near Cincinnati. Right. And so they could maybe expect a fair amount of Cincinnati uh, people showing up just to support the local guy. Um, but yeah, it's just. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's petty. I get it. But, like, really, though? Like, and honestly, it's not going to happen. But if you're going to be that freaking petty, not only are you making a venue lose money out of your pettiness, okay? Um, And granted, yes, you might bring in more money when you are there. But if you're going to give me such a outlandish, um, outlandish um statement if you're gonna give me something so you know where it's gonna make me lose money then you know what WWE, you're gonna guarantee me four or da- four dates this year or something like that you're gonna you're gonna guarantee me two raws or two smackdowns or whatever have you a raw a smackdown and a pay-per-view you know what i mean granted and- maybe not pay-per-views those are so yeah. set in advance there but it's just i don't know it, it's 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 I, I get why they're doing it because they're competition but at the same time you don't really consider them competition so why are you flexing your wwe muscle then if uh-huh. you're not scared but you are and it's just yeah no and that's the deal is um like i say they've got a long history of being petty and doing that um i'll be able to put a link in the show notes um, for this episode to a What Culture uh, article about eight times WWE has sabotaged other companies, um, uh, including um, buying another company's time slot on TV. So this other local regional company had a had a weekly show on this certain time, and then WWF at the time came in with big money and bought that uh, uh, time slot out. Uh, they, um, and this is, plays into why I'm 100% certain that they did this this time, because they did the same thing to WCW, where they would contact arenas and say, hey, if you book WCW there, we won't, we won't book there anymore. They, uh, a first refusal clause in their contracts, uh, uh, with arenas that said, uh, um, we have the right to first refusal of, of you booking any competition. So uh, if they wanted to book another wrestling promotion there, regardless of what company it was, they had to contact WWF at the time and say, hey, is it okay if we con- if we book this company? Um, 
And so they did that once before. It does not surprise me for them to do it again. Um, and so I'll put that that link in the show notes because I could go through the whole thing and, and and you know go after all of the stuff that they've done. But in reality, the only reason I clicked on the link right now is because I was hoping that one of the, the ones on the list was the bunkhouse stampede thing. And... Um, and- you know what we're going to do, though? Uh, just to give a little bit more nod to our uh, our WBU website, we're actually going to maybe try to find a few little more, make a little list ourselves, and also have mm-hmm. that in the link there, too. Not to copy from what culture, but to maybe uh, get inspired from what culture and also find other uh, little petty stuff that WWE has done, because I'm sure those 10 aren't the only 10 that they've mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Here, here, on something to wrestle with, Bruce Pritchard admitted that WWF Survivor Series was only created in 1987 to go uh, against Starcade. Uh, that makes sense, because it started the same year, no? Yep. So, McMahon's scheme was to offer Survivor Series to a uh, cable company, but tell everyone they couldn't have next year's WrestleMania if they also offered Starcade on the same night. Woo! that damn so vince's been playing the petty game for a hot minute yes so so that's the deal is it's it's a a long history in uh wwe of sabotaging anyone they thought was competition i have no doubt that this was another time that they tried to do it and the thing is everything they're doing is 100 legal so it's not like they're breaking any rules or laws right um they it might be poor taste so then technically we can't give them a misdemeanor is what you're saying um royal rumble there it was finally so 1988 the royal rumble uh was it wasn't an actual pay-per-view it was just a show uh that uh they launched to go up against the bunkhouse stampede uh and so it's just a one-off thing to, to sabotage. Anyways, uh, so, um, well, it can be a misdemeanor in our book, but it's not a <laughs> misdemeanor in the rules of law. the actual law. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but on that note, we're going to move to commendation. And I've got a few of them uh, to go through. Um, and yes, I'll be the first to admit that these are pretty AEW heavy. So, mm. um, last week I com- uh, commended Jeff Cobb, and I'm going to commend him again because he had his match with Moxley this week, and it was everything it needed to be. He looked like a beast, um, threw Moxley around like he was candy. Um, and so reports have it they offered him a contract that's going to allow him to continue to work for New Japan. Um, I, reports have not said he's he's gonna take it or not, so here's hoping. But he looked phenomenal. Uh, Wardlow also looked good in his first match. I said that earlier. Um, I know you weren't 100% sold on him, but I liked it. So um, fair enough. No, you're you're allowed to like it. You are your yeah. own human being. Yeah. And then I'm actually <laughs> commending all of AEW for having having a great week all in all. Not only did they have a quote unquote regular episode of Dynamite that was near perfect, uh, furthering multiple storylines, getting you excited for this week, um, as well as excited for Revolution coming this coming Saturday. Uh, they also participated uh, in the New York City Toy Fair, uh, launching and announcing their first line of action figures and toys. Um, 
that look awesome. Um, including a toy replica belt, not a not an actual replica. I hope they come around to start start creating a nice high quality replica of the title belt. But they have a toy one meant for kids to wear, kid sized. Um, WWE has these too. This is nothing new, um, but it looks really really good, and it's going to be about half the price the WWE um so so uh, the belt you know, the belt yeah okay it's I thought toy. you were referring to the action figures I was like oh <laughs> the action figures are probably going to be about the same price they I... they showed off a uh, series one which is going to be launching shortly and that they showed off the the some of the figures that they're planning for series two um which will be launching later this year right um, but they look really, really... About the only complaint I have for them is, so far, Series 1 and Series 2, uh, as far as I've seen, and and maybe someone will correct me, uh, tweet at me if I'm wrong, but as far as I've seen, they've only shown off one female action figure, and it's Brandy. Um, and, it, you know, you've got enough females in your women's division to uh, have a whole series of women's wrestlers right now um or at least a few you know if you're gonna have cody the young bucks mjf jericho um you know and all of those people have action figures you can throw an action figure at Britt baker and nyla rose you know and riho she was your champion for six months right yeah that no, makes sense. So, but um, but that's all the commendations I have. Do you have any commendations? <laughs> my words. Stump, Come. stump, bump, bump. Honestly, um, I don't. Um, not that I can really think of. I just uh just really enjoyed AE Dubs this Wednesday. I I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to just. I guess the only. <sighs> kind of more of an insult but the only accommodation i can kind of think, um is just kudos to like kudos honestly to uh the room because the revival just trademarked three different names um which is telling because it sounds like they they are legit now gonna leave once their contract is up and i hope this once again is not to just play with the wwe's heartstrings of how much money they're gonna give them i hope they just bounce because they haven't been used at all well at least in on raw or smackdown and just i accommodate them for just to leave the wwe because they will be so much happier the fact that they're going after these three trademarks is a good sign um which means that they're getting uh their head in the right place and whether they go on the indie scene or ae dubs i'm sure ae dubs will pick them out no problem but kudos to the revival for hopefully finally making their way out um we know matt hardy's bouncing this is i feel like wwe is gonna do a clean sweep as well um soon enough too uh maybe not because i feel like they just want to keep more people but yeah i definitely give revival an accommodation and aside from that um i guess i accommodate eric rowan because they built him up with this whole thing in the cage and then just to put him against alistair black and get demolished was pretty pointless yeah it was it was uh 
It was dumb. What Kudos was, to all the but... jobbers. I accommodate all the jobber, jobbers who are still in WWE jobbing. Because, holy hell, guys. I can imagine your mental state isn't in the right place. Because, hot diggity damn. If I worked years on years on years to become a professional wrestler, all for my legacy to be thrown in as being a jobber for granted the top wrestling promotion out there currently um then you know kudos but man just the amount of jobbing that's happening every weekend and week out from various different wrestlers uh is just it's just it's you gotta give them props because i wouldn't be able to do it <laughs> yeah well that's the um in conjunction with that because uh, yes, I agree. Uh, the revival deserves commendations for their um, trademarks. Yeah. Uh, obviously, um, for a very long time, WWE was the only real game in town. So it's uh, get there or don't get over. You know what I mean? Get there, or um, get gone. Yeah. Um, and now they realize that there's other places that they can go. Uh, and I think that. Well, to be um, fair, TNA's been there for a hot minute. Mm-hmm. But TNA's always been considered very, very far back uh, in in the grand scheme of things, right? And mm-hmm. so, um, but I was gonna say the other uh, the the other commendation I wanted to do was to Matt Hardy, um, and I mentioned this earlier, but. Um, I'm not 100% certain that he's going to AEW, um, or even if he does go to AEW, um, if he's going to, uh, be the leader of the, the Dark Order, um, uh, there's still every chance that he's gonna work out a deal with WWE to stay there. Uh, I'm not ruling that out as a, right? Um, I'm kind of ruling that out. I'm not, I just don't I, know if he'll go to WWE, uh, AEW's, but um, I feel I, like... I'm not 100% ruling it out because he's a smart enough businessman to work the system. And he already did turn down a pretty big deal from WWE, apparently, but they could always come back with a big... Um, However, uh, I want to give him a commendation for working the system as well as he does. Um, uh, he he tweeted out uh, afterwards, uh, uh, finding the quote, says, I am an elite performer. I have the power and honor to make an impact in where I show up. So in one t- <laughs> He mentioned four of the competing (laughs) companies that he could potentially go to. Um, And that's just just really well done. I give him a ton of credit for that. Uh, I don't know. I I think he's... He's going to go great wherever he goes, right? Um, I would not put it past him going back to Impact. Um, He had some of his biggest success outside of WWE in Impact. Um, It's where he created the broken character uh, that was a huge success. Um, So uh, I wouldn't put it past him going back there. Um, I doubt Ring of Honor. I doubt. I feel like he's too big for Ring of Honor. No offense. Same thing Ring with NWA Power. I doubt it. it. Like I say, I, I'm i not 100% rule. I'm 90% certain he's probably leaving WWE. Don't get me wrong. But I'm not ruling out that 10% chance that they come at him with some stupid huge offer 
that he just says. And I keep just in it. mind, uh, Jeff Hardy's still under contract. He apparently was seen on uh, backstage on SmackDown this week. <laughs> I think he still has like four or five months left on his contract. They, uh, they extended his contract because of his injury time. Uh, right. So. So let's say a year, if anything. <laughs> Um, but I mean, maybe Matt might just say, be like, Hey, maybe I'll just wait for you kind of deal. Maybe I'll sign like a six month thing with WWE and try to just get like a shit ton of money out of them for those six months. Who knows? It could happen. Cause at this rate, um, honestly, just by that promo that Matt did two weeks ago, um, I would have kind of been scared if I was Vince to allow him to leave. Cause I really enjoyed that promo uh, the guy I imagine can still wrestle. I don't know if he can do any TLC stuff like back in the day. He's over like 20 years older now. Um, but man, that, that promo really hit me. It just it felt it felt normal. It felt good. It felt like it was him. It was through the heart. You know what I mean? Very emotional, and it was just well done. And after seeing that promo, if I was Vince, I would have just given the man what he wanted because. It was good, man. I just really enjoyed it. Yep. Well, that's why I said he's still got lots to offer, even if it's not entirely in-ring, right? Um, and that's where AEW has been doing so well with bringing in these people and utilizing their skill sets in different ways, right? Whether it's an right. Arn Anderson as a coach slash manager sort of character like Tully as well, um, whether it's mostly backstage, um, like they did with uh, uh, Dean Malenko, putting him in charge of of uh, development and all of that stuff, and have him you know work backstage and help people get better. Um, right. I mean, I, the creativity that that Matt Hardy has, he very easily could be like a creative consultant to to wrestlers. You're an up and coming wrestler. You need some help coming up with your character, uh, refining your character a bit, he'd be wonderful at that role. Um, and he'd still yeah. be wonderful as an on-screen role, just maybe in a, a, a limited wrestling capacity, because he's getting older and he, he's his body's been beat up by a lot of a lot of extreme maneuvers. So Right. Uh, but I think those are all the commendations that we have. So on that note, uh, we will probably start wrapping this up here. Um, you know, I always mention following us on Twitter. Uh, tweet at us. You can always tweet at me at Raw and Order WBU. You can find uh, Justin at at JLB420 is my personal one. And then if you want to follow my Real Talk, where I give you a bunch of news and all that fun stuff, at Real Talk Radio 8. The anchor side of things is anchor. What is it? FM? Anchor.fm slash RTR. And you'll find all my social medias there. Come link us up. Talk with me. Uh, if you want to be a guest and whatnot, I generally talk about movies, music. I really talk about everything and anything entertainment. So whatever floats your boat, you got, uh, just give me a shout. I don't bite. It's uh, not a fight or flight situation. So by all means, and of course, um, over here at Wrestling WBU, which my colleague will tell you more about. Mm -hmm. um, I also, um, I've mentioned this the last couple times, we have a new Wix site. Um, so you can go to our Wix site in the uh, show notes. Uh, it'll also be in a pinned tweet on my Twitter. So you can go there. Um, there we've got a blog. We've got links I'll to... I'll do that too, actually. I'll put that on my Twitter as well. Yeah. 
We've got um, a blog there. We've got a place where you can listen to the the episodes there. So if you're at at work on a computer and rather than using your phone, you can have it play through your computer there. Um, uh, links to our Twitter and Facebook and all of that stuff there. Um, we're working on getting the blog. It doesn't have a ton of uh, content yeah. now. Um, but Justin's going to be contributing some, some stuff. I'm going to be contributing. Hopefully, DA Fable start writing some stuff for it as well. But um, but so you can go there. You can also find um, all of the places that you can listen to this podcast in case um, you don't like the place that you're currently listening or thinking about changing platforms. All of them at our anchor.fm slash raw and order WBU. Um, so you can go there. Um, I also uh, always recommend people go and leave us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you use. Um, uh, it helps the algorithm to get us into more ear holes, and that's always good for us. Um, and if you have the time, go to Apple Podcasts, find us on there, and leave us a review. Even if you don't use Apple Podcasts, just leave us a five-star review. Okay. Let other people know uh, how much you enjoy us. But on that note, we will close the book on the WBU. Case closed. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.